Hello, welcome to the Double Double. My name is Kelly Hogan, and joining me, as always, from Middletown, Connecticut, David Dixon. David, what's up? You know, Kelly, usually I start this podcast saying I'm great, but after watching this week's episode of Game of Thrones, not doing too hot. It was a brutal episode, a lot of violence, and, and I'm still recovering. So full disclosure, anyone who's listening, I'm still recovering from Game of Thrones and the bloodbath that was episode five. There was another bloodbath going on around the same time of Game of Thrones episode five. I've heard. Kawhi Leonard went crazy up in Toronto, hit probably, I mean, Dame Lillard hit the shot of the playoffs thus far. Kawhi Leonard may have topped that. And that's the type of shot that, you know, could possibly tie him to Toronto moving forward. You know, there's a lot of emotions in the playoffs and a shot like that. I don't know. I feel like it'd be tough to leave Toronto after that one. But what, what are your kind of a, just initial reactions of Toronto moving on and Philly having to watch the, uh, the rest of the playoffs from, from Philadelphia? I mean, selfishly, I'm, I'm very happy. I've, I've predicted Toronto throughout the whole season, going back to the preseason and on, on these podcasts that they would come out of the East. So I'm happy that I can still claim some credibility for my basketball knowledge after this game. But going forward, when, when you look at just the box score, because obviously I was prioritizing tonight, they only played seven players. And it goes back to what you were saying a couple podcasts ago about their depth and really their lack thereof of any depth. And Kawhi took 39 shots. And the closest was the next closest was Larry with 13. And going on to play Milwaukee, because Milwaukee is very deep and very balanced. They obviously have the superstar in Giannis, but they get a lot of production from their whole roster. So going forward for the Raptors, they got to try to find more from players not named Kawhi Leonard. I agree. They, as you said, lack depth. They play such a short bench. It used They used to have nine, ten guys that they could rely on. Nick Nurse has sliced the rotation. Kawhi Leonard had took 30 shots through three quarters. And, I mean, I had a lot of respect because if he was going to lose that game, he was going to go down swinging. He was going to let them fly. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if I'm a Raptors fan, that's how I want it. I want my best player. I'm either going to win or I'm going to lose. And, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna live with the results based on kind of what he does, and he's not going to shrink in that moment. But there's been a lot of talk about who the best player in the world is. And, you know, there's Giannis and then KD and Harden. And, you know, all these guys are kind of in the discussion. What Kawhi Leonard brings to a basketball team on both ends of the court, Paul George is is similar in that respect. But I think I just think Kawhi Leonard, his value is is somewhat unquantifiable, just because he does it at such a high level on both ends. Yeah, and I think it's just because we forgot about Kawhi because he basically sat out last year, and so with and so by sitting out a year, just with the way that our minds work in terms of. We really just focus on what's happened most recently. You talk a lot about the recency bias factor in sports. And I think Kawhi was hurt by that a lot. And this is who we all knew Kawhi was. If you go back to it, the last really meaningful series that Leonard played was that Warrior series where he landed on Zaza's foot. And that whole playoffs, he was dominating as well. So it's just kind of he's making us all remember just how freaking good he is. And on the, on the flip side of the coin, as, as great of a win as this was 
for Toronto, this was heartbreaking for Philadelphia. Joel Embiid, I'm not sure if you saw it, as he was walking off the court, here's a seven foot two man who God only knows he might be 300 pounds, uh-huh. is crying. He's sobbing like a little kid. It meant so much to him. And, you know, I, I, I can't do anything but respect that. If you're Philadelphia and you're Elton Brand, do you run it back next year? Or are you looking to make some massive changes? Speaking about Embiid, I think also part of his emotional reaction was because Leonard hit that shot over him. And I don't know what more Embiid could have done except you know, except block the shot. But as our coach, our college coach says, you, you don't block jump shots. And you just, you just contest. And I don't know what more he could have done. That, that ball hit the rim four times and it was a fadeaway corner two it was a long two shout out nba twitter and when you look at it from from the sixers they were right there on the road in game seven and i think it's a judge of more that brand has to see from just internally how this team all fit together and how the personalities got along because from a talent perspective yes you should say run it back we need more games played together but we don't have the day-to-day knowledge and the inside information that those guys do of do these guys like each other how do they get along with the coaching staff can they really grow and get better speaking of the coaching staff there was some talk prior to this game that Brett Brown's future was tied to how they performed in game seven. And now that we know in hindsight that they lost based on that report, one would think that he's probably going to be out of a job. If that is true and Brett Brown loses his job because he lost game seven and had he won, you know, there's a chance he would have kept his job. I think he's either the guy moving forward or he's not. And basing that off of one game is ridiculous. If, I were Elton Brand, I would get this quarter together and run it back. I think, I mean, if a bounce goes their way, as in, you know, maybe this Kawhi Leonard shot doesn't, if it bounces any one of the four times it hits the rim and goes the opposite direction, maybe Philadelphia is advancing and playing Milwaukee. And they played pretty well against Milwaukee this year. So there's a chance they make the finals. The luxury tax is going to be an issue. There's no way they're going to be able to keep all of these guys, and it's it's not going to be cheap. J.J. Reddick's a free agent. Tobias Harris is a free agent. Jimmy Butler's a free agent. Ben Simmons is eligible for an extension. Would you even consider, and the only reason I say this is because Joel Embiid's prime. I, I can't imagine Joel Embiid pl- playing basketball when he's like 30. His body, it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to sustain this kind of pounding on a year-in, year-out basis. And, you know, one of the things I saw during this game, somebody was saying on Twitter, Joel Embiid doesn't look to be in shape. And somebody responded, Haralabob, goes, I'm not really sure there's anything that a seven foot two, 300 pound man can do to prepare for this moment. Like, what is he supposed to do to play 44 minutes in a game? But that's besides the point. His prime is shorter than others. Would you consider trading Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, or are they core foundational pieces moving forward? Embiid is the foundational piece. You, I don't think they can move him. He is the the Sixers are his team, and they rally around him more than I think any other athlete in that city now, especially because Foles is gone. And speaking about the coaching staff, I hate to compare them to the Warriors, but when you look at the impact that they had going from Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr, I really 
think that they could look at this roster and say, hey, we're really, really talented the way that the Warriors were. Mark Jackson got the Warriors to that point. Brett Brown has gotten the Sixers to this point. Do they just need a change of philosophy at the top and a different voice to push them over the edge? I think that's a question that Elton Brand has to be asking himself and will be asking himself going into the offseason. I don't know what they do about Simmons because he's really because he's a productive player, but he is difficult to watch in a lot of these moments because he doesn't shoot that much. And the way that we think is that to be the second best player on, on your team is that you have to shoot a lot. And that's just not what he does. And so it's really hard because when you watch Simmons, you're like, well, he has to shoot more. Well, he's not good at shooting. So we critique guys like Westbrook, who isn't a very good shooter, but shoots too much. And then we, and then we also critique Simmons, who isn't a good shooter, so he doesn't shoot. So I don't know what to do about him because I think that the Sixers just have to figure out a way to make him not such a polarizing player on the court for them, where it's like, it seems like they don't know what to do with him a lot, a, a lot of the time. First thing I want to respond to what you said, I think that's a great point that you made regarding the Sixers being compared to the Warriors. Granted, the Sixers have a couple established super, not, not superstars, but stars in Tobias and Jimmy that were imported. But I, I think that's a very, very good analogy. And then secondly, as it pertains to Ben Simmons, I think you got to, you just have to treat him like how the Bucks treated Giannis. Like we understand you're going to miss a lot of these threes, a lot of these jump shots, but you have to take them. You cannot shy away from taking them. Ben Simmons took one shot out of the paint in this entire series. So he's not, it's not even that he's missing them. Like you said, he's not even attempting them. So I think you treat him like Giannis and Giannis's jump shot isn't great now, but it's coming along to the point where he's making three or four in a game against the Celtics. And it's a difference in a playoff game. So I think that's something that they could do moving forward. I think if they were to move one of the two, it would be Ben Simmons and you can surround Joel Embiid with some depth because right now the Sixers, I mean, James Ennis had a decent series where, where they were killed was their bench. Joel Embiid would be, you know, plus 30 plus 40. And that's not an exaggeration. And these games would be close. And, and, and the thing about Embiid, as you were saying about him being in shape, a lot of that is just because they don't have anyone else to play. Greg Monroe played two minutes tonight. They didn't have anyone with any size to come in. Now, obviously, the center position is being devalued. And I don't know why they didn't decide to play Boban just for a little bit, but it seems like the Sixers had just have a lot of figuring out to do of, their, of themselves. And that a lot of it is just what is the identity of this team. And once they figure that out, and obviously, hey, that's a much, much easier thing to say that you have to figure out than to actually figure out. But if they are able to do that, this could be a really be a true championship contending team for years to come. I don't think there's any question about that. So before we move on to the two Western Conference series, I feel like Boston got kicked out of the playoffs by the Bucks about a week ago. But and we, we kind of already did a postmortem on them. But you had a couple other thoughts you wanted to share. Yeah, I, I just had a couple of questions for you while while watching the game. So I'm watching the game, and it feels like Kyrie quit on them. LeBron circa 2010? Is that what you're saying? It was like he quit on them, but then 
in a way that he was masking it, not in the way with that LeBron series where he where LeBron just checked out. It seemed like Kawhi quit on, or sorry, not Kawhi. Kyrie quit on them by trying to do it all himself, taking these terrible shots on offense, turning the ball over, and then also, as Bill Simmons has pointed out a lot, refusing to switch on defense, being trying to guard Giannis and being like, I got him when, no, you don't have him. But it just felt like watching, if I'm one of the teams with Max money this summer, Irving is, Irving is not the best player on a championship team. And he's about a B or a B plus in that role because he's just not a leader. And as he's proven, he will quit on you. He's had to swallow hard since being traded from Cleveland. He, I don't think he realized how good he had it playing next to LeBron. And he hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history. There was no denying him that. But like you said, in terms of leading a team, in terms of being the guy, I'm not sure. You know, actually, I am sure. I'm sure he's not able to do that. Now, if, if he goes to New York and he's able to run and be Robin to Kevin Durant's Batman, okay, that's possible. But that's very similar to what he was doing in Cleveland. But then again, there's only, you know, David, there's like five, six, seven guys in the entire league you can win a championship with if they're your best player so i mean yeah it's a fair point to to knock Kyrie and be like he's not one of those guys but there, there really just aren't that many of those guys to go around and you know he this this act that he's i mean it seems like ever since he's got the boston he's been acting like some philosopher type that's just you know it's it's quite frankly it's annoying to listen to but before the season he said oh boston i'm staying like I'm, I'm here for good and then midway through the season he kind of backed up on those on those comments and is there any chance that he was doing that maybe because you know he he wants the leverage of boston if you offer me the five-year max i'm going to stay because maybe he thought he lost some leverage because oh i already said i was going to commit so therefore if they they might think they can lowball me but by playing this and, you know, in a sense, maybe playing hardball, he's forcing them to really, you know, put all their chips to the center of the table? No, I don't think it's it's that at all. I think his tune changed as the season wasn't going the way he wanted. And he, he's an extremely talented player, but he is an extremely frustrating person to root for because he's really moody. He... When he's talking to the media, it's almost like he's trying to outsmart the media and outsmart the questions that are being asked, which is, so he gives these really weird, complicated answers that he's clearly overthinking. Like, you watch these guys, you you watch Steph Curry, you watch Kawhi Leonard, the, the other all-star, superstar level who we compare Kyrie to, and when they talk to the media, they give them nothing. They give them enough to write the, the game recap story, but but nothing more. And Irving just gives us things to talk about. And the thing about Irving that I want to bring back to your point about how there's just aren't there many guys who you could win as a championship with, I, I don't even think you can contend with Irving as your best player, not even have a true chance, but be in between pretender and contender because when you watched him in Cleveland at the first the first four years before LeBron, due to even make the playoffs, they won the lottery three times. 
So he's supposed to be this exceptional talent, and you can't even make the playoffs in the atrocious Eastern Conference. Like you can't be the eight seed. You can't win thirty four games. How how many how many nineteen and twenty year olds are leading their teams to the playoffs? If 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 you're an all star, you can't win thirty four games and make the playoffs in, in that Eastern Conference. And then he does well with the Cavs because he has LeBron. And then he goes to the Celtics. They make the Eastern Conference Finals without him. And this whole season, you know, they might be the worst forty eight win team in the history of the NBA. Okay, I got, I'd have to think about that, but I mean, I, maybe his game's overrated because he's so special offensively, but he's a sieve on defense. Yeah. You talked about it earlier. He's like telling Marcus Morrison guys to back off, and he's going to guard Giannis one-on-one. Dude, you are six foot two. Giannis is 6'11". That is a matchup the Bucks will take 10 times out of 10. He's just not the guy that I would want to bet my franchise on, and... I think this season, especially this this series, proved that. Now, I just talked about recency bias, and I'm probably a culprit of that right now. But God help his soul if he goes to the to the Knicks and he has to listen to all the the New York media and just wait till he has gives a weird quote and Mike Francesa gets on him and he starts taking calls about about Kyrie because he's really sensitive and if he couldn't handle it in Boston, just wait till. Joey from Yonkers is calling in to, to Mike. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 move over to the Western Conference. There was a game today, Portland and Denver. Denver came out hot, almost turned it off and was like, you know, this, this game's over. Denver got up, I think it was 17 early. They're playing at home. And then all of a sudden, CJ McCollum dialed up Jennifer, said, I hope you're watching, and went off. He had 37 points, and he made 17 big shots. Dame didn't have his best game, only had 13 points. He was very quiet. No question, Dame is the man in Portland, but C.J. McCollum showed up big time today in Game 7. Yeah, shout out Jennifer. I, I really wonder how, how C.J. would be playing right now if if every single time he, he didn't score, someone obnoxiously on twitter like ourselves tweet out jennifer he's doing it he's trying jennifer he's trying (laughs) but um this was just a huge win for portland this was this was a i think a franchise defining win because with this group of guys you heard all leading up to this season oh oh well they have to trade lillard lillard's going to be on the lakers oh trade trade cj because of what happened last year against the Pelicans. And they came out today. They rebounded early from Denver, came out hot. Give them credit. Really young team. Wasn't afraid of the moment. And Portland just showed the veteran savvy of, hey, we've been here before. We've been in these types of games before. And, and really just gutted and just gutted the game out. And I want to give a huge shout out to Ennis Canner. Dude played 40 minutes. He's fasting for Ramadan. Hasn't had a sip of water since probably he woke up today and played 40 minutes. And and I don't know how many people can run up and down the court three times without needing a lot of water and, and oxygen. And, and he did 40 minutes of that in, in the NBA. So real shout out to him. Shout out to him for that. And he's doing it with a separated shoulder. He is, I mean, it's crazy to think. 
I mean, Hakeem did it and played and dominated during Ramadan, but I can't even imagine not being able to eat nor drink and then being asked to perform at the highest level. I can't even, I can't even contemplate that. And he's making himself some serious money in the process. He's going to be a free agent, and I think he's showing. There's that infamous clip of him, or I guess of Billy Donovan saying, "Can't play Cantor." He's he's not such a liability on the defensive end. Maybe it's because he's giving more effort. Maybe it's because he's in a better system. But he's 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 not so much a, a liability as he's an asset to the Blazers. And then the other guy who I thought was really impressive today, Terry Stotts dusted off Evan Turner, and Evan Turner had made one field goal uh in the first round and then in this round he was very inconsistent his both in his play in his minutes and his play and he had 14 points and seven rebounds today and he had some really really big plays for the blazers rodney hood went down and i mean evan turner's getting paid a lot so i you know he, he hasn't lived up to his contract i think today it's it's safe to say that he did and then just talking quickly about denver they have a bright future, like you said. Their average age is 25. And after that four-overtime game, I think that was, I want to say, game three. And they fell back. So they fell back 2-1. They easily could have just folded. That's a game where after that series or after that game, you kind of throw it in and you maybe lose in five or six. They fought hard until the end. And you know, there's there's not a whole lot of things they can do in terms of improving their team, but in the West, maybe they won't have to, given KD might leave. But if Michael Porter Jr. is able to hit and be the player that many thought he was going to be, you know, Ben Simmons won the Rookie of the Year after sitting out a season. So I'm not sure if that's fair to place those expectations on Porter, especially with with Zion coming in next year. But you know, this the the only way for the Nuggets to go from here, I think, is up. These guys are just going to grow and get better. Yeah, so full disclosure for, for anyone who doesn't know who Michael Porter is. So Michael Porter was the number one prospect in high school coming out in the high school class with Marvin Bagley. It was really him and Porter were whatever recruiting site you went to, those were the two guys. Goes to Missouri and suffers a back injury and then had to have a couple surgeries, so he fell in the draft. And so he's redshirting this year for Denver. So at and Kelly, I, I totally agree that you always wonder about a 19-year-old who's had multiple back surgeries, but if if he can be 85% of what people thought he was, because when he came out of high school, people thought he was going to be a top four pick. If he could be 85% of what people thought he would be, that's a huge addition for the, for the Denver team because, you know, I love Craig on their team, but Porter's a better player than than him and, and Beasley and and. Morris so all these guys who are the role players if, if Porter can step into the, into that role and it's Murray and Harris and Jokic and Porter and then you have the veteran Paul Millsap just doing whatever needs to be done and making consistent winning plays this team is going to be scary going forward yeah Michael Porter Jr. that's a guy that passes the eye test you just look at him and he's one of those guys. He just looks like he has superstardom written all over him. For sure. And, you know, I'm not sure if he will realize that potential, but it's there. And just that hope, I think, is enough for, for Nuggets fans to, you know, this this loss definitely stings given they were up a lot at home, but the, the future is, is certainly bright moving forward. So I think the, the, the series or the game of the weekend, maybe not the game of the weekend, but the, the game of the weekend that went least as I expected it to go was game six in Houston. 
so Kevin Durant goes down in game five, hurts his leg, looked like there might have been a sniper in the building, takes a jump shot, lands Amon Shumpert. You know, maybe he landed on his ankle. It didn't look so. And, you know, it kind of reminded me a little bit, and Reggie Miller said as such, of when Kobe tore his Achilles. You know, you're walking around and it looks like somebody steps on your leg because you feel something pop and no one was there. So luckily, Kevin Durant escaped that with just a calf strain and the Rockets weren't able to close the Warriors off at Oracle in game five, took it back to Houston for game six. I thought that that's a game there. There's no way they're going to lose that game at home in Houston. They'll take it back to seven in Oracle vintage Steph Curry he was terrible in the first half second half the man just erupted 33 points in this run of Golden State Warriors dominance that half is up there with with Clay's game six against Oklahoma City I think in 2016 but I just think you know Steph Curry was phenomenal on Friday night game six Clay Thompson is just something else I I wish the Warriors weren't as good so that they would play more game sixes, so that we could see Clay just become the greatest player in NBA history. Because when when you think about it, that that Thunder game, the way if Thompson didn't play that way and win that game for them, the whole course of NBA history is completely different. And I think tonight, or sorry, not not tonight, but game six of this series. I don't think it changed the course of NBA history, but it that Thompson having the first half that he did to keep the Warriors in the game will go down as a very, very important chapter in this Warriors dynasty. And because if he doesn't have that first half, they're down big at halftime. And I don't know, even though Steph went Inferno in the second half, if they would have been able to catch up and win the game. And... I just want to shout out the Men and Blazers soccer podcast. They had Arlo White on, the great pr- Premier League announcer, who said it's the role of the announcer when someone gets hurt. You're you're not a doctor. You don't diagnose the person from the announcer's chair. And Reggie Miller, the second KD came down and was walking off the court, he's like, that's his Achilles. It's a torn Achilles. And it's like, settle down, guy. It looked like it, but hey, we got to wait for the medical information, you know. Just because you think it was his Achilles, Re- Reggie, you're not a PhD, my guy. You know, settle down. Katie will probably be back in in the finals or late in the Blazers series if it if it goes that far. And and yeah, I just I just love the Warriors, man. They they're just so good that they're just so frustrating. Like they're they, I just love how frustrated they they make me. It's almost like people forgot that this was a good team before they got Kevin Durant, right? Like not not everything was just spoon-fed to them with, you know, this 6-9 versatile scorer. Like this was a team that won a championship and won 73 games before Kevin Durant showed up. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean like it's like guys completely forgot that they were one LeBron block and a Kyrie step back three away from winning back-to-back championships. Or a Draymond suspension if, if he doesn't get suspended for that game there's a chance they have four championships gunning for five right now. Yeah. So, I mean, the the wars are just so good that what's frustrating so much about them is the eventuality of it because it's, okay, the Warriors are dominating. They're killing all these teams. And then I, in the Wall Street Journal point, pointed this out with a Ben Cohen article, 
whenever they run the least amount of pick and roll in the whole league. And their best play is a Steph Draymond or a Steph KD pick and roll. It is unguardable. And so when they were in the fourth quarter and they needed to win the game, they ran that play like eight to ten times in a row and scored every time. They, they ran it ten times, scored eight of those for 19 points. So there's literally – they are an eventuality without even running their best play. And then if you somehow alter the matrix a little bit, and poke the bear, they just they can raise their game to a level in a way that no one, I don't think, has ever been able to as a team. I was reading something, uh, and I think we may have talked about this on a prior podcast, but Bob Myers came up to Draymond earlier in the season and was like, dude, you're, you're fat. you got to lose some weight. We're not going to be able to win a championship unless you're in peak conditioning. And Draymond's like, I know, man. I'll handle it. <laughs> and after that game... There was a story that came out that Draymond, since around the All-Star break, lost 23 pounds. And you could see out there, he looks felt, and he looks, I mean, like peak Draymond in terms of just defensively being in two places at once, disrupting everything the Rockets were trying to do. He's basically playing center at six foot five. Yeah, and for as much praise as, as we're given to the Warriors, I really wonder about Houston because... They obviously are really good. They had a, another great season winning 53 games. And Harden played pretty well. Paul was the best he's been in, in the whole series. And this was their chance. Durant was out. They had two chances to win the series when Durant was out. And I just I just don't know where they go from here, Kelly. Because when you look at their team and you look at their salaries, you just don't know what, what they can do what type of pieces they, they can add, except hope that Durant leaves the conference. Yeah, I mean, I think Daryl Morey said it best. He was like, you come at the king, you best not miss. And Houston missed. And this is a team that has been strategically gunning. You know, there's a lot of times where teams will build a good team in hopes of it being good enough to compete for an NBA championship. Houston has employed a team that was supposed to match up perfectly for golden state yeah like they they thought if we can defeat golden state the championship will come and i have a lot of respect for daryl morey because a lot of people were throwing in the towel and saying we'll just wait this out and once their runs over we'll be in a position to be the next in line and houston was like forget that we have james harden in his prime we're gonna go for it and like you said man you just you feel bad for houston because two years in a row this thing was put on a platter for them. Last year, you're up 3-2. Winning game six, Chris Paul goes out. With home court advantage. Yep, that falls. This year, in game five, that's an underrated aspect of this too. KD goes out game five. You gotta you gotta take that game. You can't you can't be messing around, but they lost that game. And then granted, given that. They're, they're down 3-2, but if you would have told the Rockets going into the series, you're going to be down 3-2, but Kevin Durant is going to be out for the remainder of the series, they would have signed up for that 10 out of 10 times. I guarantee it. Harden, I mean, he wasn't terrible in Game 6. He put up numbers, but there's definitely just a discussion to be had to if his theatrical style translates to the postseason when the refs tend to swallow the whistle – but moving forward, I mean, Chris Paul's contract is going to become an albatross. Clint Capella's contract's not terrible, but he didn't play well this series. I think 
I mean, I think there was there was some left in the tank there that he he didn't really um, you know he didn't play up to his standards. But there's a lot of good players over the course of NBA history who just failed to win a championship because you know the era they played in. You look at you know Carl Malone, John Stockton, Charles Barkley. Uh, we we're speaking about Reggie Miller. I, I just I would love James Harden and Chris Paul to win a championship someday, but unless Kevin Durant leaves, I'm not sure if that's if that's a possibility. Yeah, I mean as to quote the great Cersei Lannister from, from Game of Thrones, it's when you play the Game of Thrones, you either win or you die. And the Rockets team, I I I think they're I think they're dying, Kelly, because the these back to back playoff losses to the Warriors are so demoralizing when when you listen to all and you when you listen to the to the players and you read all the articles after the game, they're they're all saying how long it's gonna take to get over this one and that this one really, really hurts. And it hurts more than last year just because they felt like with the injury, like they really, I think, felt that this was the year with Durant going out. And I just don't know how they come back from this because I don't think Harden's theatrics really hurt them. I think his turnovers hurt them more in this game. He had six turnovers and because he did take 12 free throws. And Paul played really well, but you can't count on him to be awesome in a whole seven-game series anymore just because of his age, you know, naturally. And that contract is going to be really tough going forward. And I think when you talk about Capella's productivity, I think it's I think it's harder as the team has become more Harden-centric and Harden one-on-one because Capella is a great set-of-pick, dive to the basket and catch lobs and offensive rebound. It's, it's pretty hard for him to be effective when his whole role is to try to beat a box out and offensive rebound a step-back three. I think it's hard for him to be productive that, that way. So you're having him out there. You're not playing to his strengths offensively. Defensively, he's protecting the rim. But if you're not having, but if you're not trying to use him offensively, especially against the Warriors, he's so hard to to play and really get any value from him. They're relying so much on Chris Paul and James Harden to initiate everything. I'm not sure if Jimmy Butler would ever think about leaving Philadelphia, but a player like Jimmy Butler, who's just a physical wing who can guard, but also create some offense for himself, to both lessen the load on James Harden maybe in the regular season so he has more gas left for the postseason but also in the postseason when things tighten up and all eyes are on James you know PJ Tucker I love his game and I'm not saying hopefully he can stay on the team and remain in the rotation and all of that but they need a guy who's who's kind of playing in the same role or in the same spots as PJ Tucker who can create some offense and create good looks for other guys that's what I think they need I think that they need that too. And I think you look at basically every team in the NBA and say, yeah, we need that too. And I just don't know how the, how they get that guy because I just don't know what type of moves they can get because you can't get anything in a trade for any, for basically anyone on their team except Tris Paul or James Harden. Maybe you can get something for a Capella, but you're not going to get a great wing creator in free agency with the type of salary cap space that they have. They don't have a, first round pick this year it's going to take some daryl Morey magic again to to get this team back to this spot i think yeah the, the supply and demand for playmaking threes is out of whack everyone has a demand for them and there's probably six seven or eight that are legitimate guys who can you know you put on a team and they're real difference makers so i think that's a good point and daryl Morey, i will never underestimate that man this guy's gonna do everything he can 
to make sure this team is in a position next season to win a championship, regardless of if Kevin Durant is in Golden State or not. Yeah. And, you know, DeMore is going to do what, whatever he can, but if, if you look at it, their big additions going into this season and during the season was Austin Rivers, Shumpert, and Kenneth Fareed. And I don't know if they'll even be able to match those types of guys this offseason and, and next year. Yeah, that's that's a tough one for the Rockets. And, I mean, it's just unfortunate. It's not, it's not funny, but it's uh, – I mean, I feel for them because, like we said, they were gunning for – golden state and it was put on a platform and they just couldn't deliver i mean just i mean just i mean just give them all the respect because as you said to at at the start of this no one has attacked golden state and said we are we are building our team to beat them and when you come for them and when you play this you know the game of thrones this is what happens and if if you don't beat them you're dead and you just get, and you got to give them credit for for trying and failing unconventionally, because they they they've changed basketball with with the way that they with Harden and the ISO heavy, and you just wish that they just they could just get over the hump, but they but but they didn't. Yeah, they changed basketball for better or worse. But um, yeah, time let's will tell. let's look let's look at some of these. I guess there's only two of them, the two series remaining, the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals. Let's start with the Raptors and the Bucks, Giannis and Kawhi. What are you looking at when you look at the series? Uh, I'm looking at is if NASA is going to come out with a report on potential space landings from aliens from other planets, <laughs> and they've had two people among us named Giannis and Kawhi. I think it's a battle of the aliens and I just I just can't wait dude because we talk about leading in in this previous series with with Boston Milwaukee oh well who's going to guard Giannis well we both we both agree that it shouldn't be uh, Kyrie and and when you watch Philly and and Toronto where Butler was guarding Kawhi but he did a pretty poor job and also you know he did a poor job but what but what can you really do against an alien? So now it's going to be alien versus alien. I feel like I could write a movie uh, with that title. And they're, they hopefully will guard each other. So now we'll, we'll really see what they can do when it's man on man, you know, superstar on superstar. Because this is the type of matchup that we love in the NBA. I absolutely love this matchup. Malcolm Brogdon will be back. The Bucks will be at full strength pretty much. If I had to lean one way or the other, just because I'm, I don't really trust Toronto's bench, they lack depth, as we talked about earlier. I think Milwaukee just has too many guys. They have home court advantage. I'm leaning Bucks, and I'll say they'll win the series in six games. You bring up a very, very good point about the Raptors bench. And shout out Pat Connaughton and the whole Milwaukee bench. I feel like we just need to keep apologizing to them. And... I think that the Raptors are going to win the series. I I think that the Bucks have the coaching advantage and the depth advantage and basically any other advantage that you could probably quantify and present to me in a in a chart or a graph or a sentence. But when I look at this, I just I just say, "Hey, Kawhi's been here before. He's won a championship before and 
the only one on the Bucks who's made it th- this far was George Hill. And, you know, he's infamous for getting bailed out by J.R. Smith's blunder for missing that free throw in, in game one last year of the finals. So for no other reason than just I'm an idiot and think that just because Kawhi won a championship five years ago, <laughs> I think that's going to push them over the top in, in seven games. Uh, there, there's worse things you can do than bet on Kawhi Leonard. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. And by the way, we probably should have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think and I think a lot of true degenerate gamblers out there were probably really wishing that they were too. Instead of two, you know, college teammates who have to stand by NCA rules. <laughs> um the other series, Blazers Warriors, I think a lot of this will come down to I mean, not that the war or not that the Blazers would beat the Warriors anyways, but in terms of how long this series will go, will be determined as to how quickly Kevin Durant can get healthy. I think that's probably the biggest question mark heading into the series. What are you kind of looking for in this one? I'm looking for for Dame versus Steph because if if Katie's out, the Blazers have a great chance, and if Dame can put the team on his back the way that he was against the Thunder and really take the point guard challenge and really take it to heart that we all think Steph is better than him the way that a lot of people think Russ is still better than him and go out and try to make a point that no, he's not that that he can compete with Steph and he's on that that same level. I think the Blazers have have a real chance. And I think the way that Cantor and Collins and Myers Leonard are playing, they can offer as a rebound against them. Their size might be a little bit of an issue for for the Warriors. We know that that's their their weakness. And I think that the Blazers just have guys who can make perimeter shots too. You have the younger Curry, Seth Curry. You got Harkless and Aminu and obviously CJ McCollum. And I think they got a real shot. I like to think they have a real shot just because they have Dame. And, you know, this this series is going to be an aerial shooting display. The second either team crosses half court, you got to be ready to guard because these guys are going to put them up. We talked about Ennis Cantor earlier. He that that infamous clip we were talking about can't play Cantor. That was against Golden State, and yes, his defense has improved. I, I think Steve Kerr is going to find a way to just attack him relentlessly, and we will see if he can hold up. Time will tell. History tells us this is probably not going to turn out favorably for Cantor and the Blazers. The X factor for the the Blazers to have a shot and be competitive is for Rodney Hood to just, you know, be the Rodney Hood of, I think it was game four. He just really took over. Or no, it was game six in in Portland. I think he had like 27 points, and he was kind of that wing that Portland had been waiting for. You know, they they were rumored to be going after Melo for years, and they were just always looking to add that third score next to CJ and Dame. And if Rodney Hood can just deliver on that, maybe twice in this series i think it will be competitive but just the amount of weight and the pressure put on cj and dame i'm not you know they're both great players but there's only so much you can ask two guys to do and whether or not kevin durant plays i'll I'll give the blazers a game but i think warriors are taking this in five yeah i I wouldn't go that far I, i would say warriors in six Mainly because I want to see Clay Thompson in another game six for for no other reason than that. You know, we we see the Warriors usually take a, a few games to feel feel out their opponents. So I think the Blazers could could get one or two. 
from him. And, and, you know, I think it all depends on if Durant is healthy and if he does come back, what, how good he'll be, how, what type of shape he's in. And if the, if the calf injury is, is lingering and bothering him in any way, because even though the Warriors played 11 players in game six, it felt more like Kerr was searching for anything to, to just looking for anyone to step up and just gave everyone a chance. And especially with Curry being off and in foul trouble, they, they just need someone to to step up in the moment. And I don't know if over in a, in a whole series, you can bet on them playing 11 guys really and having all those guys step up. And I think they'll go back to playing seven guys again. If Kevin Durant doesn't play, does that change anything for you in this series? Or do you think Warrior like, do you think the Blazers have a, ch- a chance or is this just Warriors and it's just a question of how many games? I think it's Warriors for the question of how many games. I think if Durant truly is out for the whole series, that they'll win in seven games. But I have a feeling Durant will be back in game five, and that will be the work him back in. He's not truly 100% himself yet. And then game six, the Warriors will, will clinch it. Heart of the champion and, and all those you know great catchphrases and cliche words for them. And then the summer of KD will begin shortly thereafter with his free agency. But before that, la- last thing we want to hit on, Dave... Tuesday night's the NBA lottery. Uh-huh. We will see who is going to basically have the right to select Zion Williamson first overall. If you had it your way, who's winning the lottery? Uh, the Knicks. I think that's the easiest question you've ever asked me since we're doing this podcast. I think that if he comes to the Knicks, it'll be the greatest thing maybe in NBA history. Um, it would just be a, a, a perfect marriage between the most exciting, marketable young player since LeBron and an owner who only cares about the stock price of his company. So, <laughs> so I think it'll be perfect because Jimmy Dolan thinks in terms of dollars and he sees Zion not as a potentially walking NBA championship, but as a walking dollar sign and anything to help the Madison Square Garden stock, Kelly. So, is there is there any chance the Knicks would trade that pick or do you think they're taking Zion and just they're going to roll with whatever happens this summer in free agency. Oh, there's there's a great chance that that they trade the pick because they are just an inept, idiotic franchise who can't get out of their their own way. So, there's always a chance that they just do something completely stupid. I mean, if the Knicks were to win the lottery, there would be we talk about the frozen envelope with with Patrick Ewing, the conspiracy theories. Oh, they would be coming in hot and heavy. But like, okay, so but so the conspiracy theories would be coming in hot and heavy, but like you couldn't argue that it's you know, that they didn't at least deserve it. They had the worst record in the NBA. This this isn't like two thousand fourteen where you could argue that the NBA knew LeBron was gonna leave Miami and gave Cleveland the first pick to go get Andrew Wiggins. Like the Knicks were truly dreadful this season. And the Knicks are in the business of just torturing their their fan base. So it would make complete sense for them to get the second pick and then and then trade it for you know Andre Bargnani again the rights to Andre Bargnani yeah that would that would totally be something Knicks management would do or just trade it to you know the Nike EYBL for the future rights to Bronny James I wonder I wonder what Zion wants what do you think Zion wants you know everyone says that they want to be in New York but Zion's smart he he went to Duke He's got a good head out on his shoulders, and I just 
if I'm him, I don't want to go to NBA purgatory like Phoenix. I would probably want to go to Chicago if I was him. You're still in the East. You're with a better core. You got Laurie and, and Zach Levine. You got a psychopath for a head coach. But um, but if you're in Chicago, you still make a lot of money off the court. It's a huge market. Great basketball city. You'd be stuck with all the Jordan comp, but I think that the Jordan comparisons are easier to, to deal with than if he played for the Knicks than saving basketball in a respective city. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I mean, in terms of timeline and places that make sense with young cores, I think Atlanta and Dallas would be neat. Pairing him with Trey Young and John Collins or Chris Tops and Luka I think would be cool. But I think, I think Zion's built for New York City. I think if he were drafted by the Knicks, hopefully they would find a way to keep him and not trade him for a superstar. But, I mean, I, I think the, the kid's destined for stardom regardless of where he winds up. So, Oh, I, I mean, like, saying Zion isn't destined for stardom is like saying that Game of Thrones isn't going to set HBO viewership records next week for the series finale. Like, it's just a foregone <laughs> conclusion that, like, no matter what happens, you know, in in this week, like, no matter what happens with the lottery, unless literally, you know, Zion, like, I mean, like, unless Phoenix wins the lottery, which probably w- would happen in Minnesota, you know. NBA fans would lose it if the Lakers won the lottery. Oh, well, if, if you want to be a true conspiracy theorist, it's it's the Lakers win, win the lottery because then the Anthony Davis trade happens in three days or they keep him in as LeBron and Zion, which would just be absurd. I cannot imagine LeBron like playing with Zion. I, I don't think there's any chance that would happen. I can see it happening because I think all it takes is for LeBron to, you know, casually walk in on, while on his way to, to Space Jam. You know, his driver makes a wrong turn and ends up at the practice facility while Zion's doing his, his workout. And I think LeBron knows enough about basketball that if he sees Zion working out, he'll know in whatever part he could catch of that workout what type of NBA player he'll be right off the bat. Because if he's because if Zion could be a Luka Doncic level rookie, they will play together. But if he's a Kevin Knox level rookie, he'll be on the Pelicans. I think you're probably right. So that, that's probably a good place to wrap it up, David. I know you had a very exhilarating night with game of thrones is there yep. any uh i don't know is there any final words you want to share with the audience oh uh, yeah i mean shout out hbo you guys just make quality tv shows uh r.i.p cersei r.i.p kyburn r.i.p the hound uh and r.i.p king's landing for anyone who doesn't understand what i'm saying that's okay uh most people don't but i just can't wait for next week kelly I don't, you know, basketball is one thing. There, there will be the NBA next year, okay? There'll be the NBA the year after that and the year after that. But after next Sunday, there will be no more Game of Thrones. And I'm going to have to start talking to people. I'm going to have to start making friends in, in real life and all these fictional characters. And I don't know what I'm going to do. Yes, there, there might be one day where I, you know, actually sit down and plow through all, what is it, eight seasons? But I, I don't see that, any, that day coming anytime soon. 73 hours, Kelly. You can yeah, do it. Three days in a row. I've been watching for sure. Just think about it. It's, it's like watching the entirety of the NBA playoffs in terms of all the games uh, in one 
incredibly epic show with dragons doing awesome stuff. Like shout out Bill Simmons, where he says he just wants more dragons. I haven't listened to his podcast yet. They're probably recording tonight with, with Ryan Russillo. There was a lot of dragons tonight, and it was freaking awesome. That'll do it for this episode of the Double Double. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. We can also be found on Spotify. If you want to leave any feedback for the show, good, bad, or indifferent, you can reach us. Our email account is double double four zero two at gmail.com. And we have a Twitter account as well. That is DBL underscore DBL podcast. Thank you everyone for listening. Take care and make it a great day.